The Stages podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of the lands on which our artists and audiences meet. We pay our respect to past, present and emerging elders. We acknowledge the important role that art has played on these lands for thousands of years and feel privileged to work alongside artists continuing the creative practice of one of the oldest surviving cultures in the world. Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives... Then the next block further down there was the Royal, then the Prince Edward was right opposite the Royal, then the Savoy. And we used to get fined if you were late for the half hour and fined for misbehaving on stage. Just for God's sake, do it better. (laughs) Sometimes that's all you can say. But when you've gone through that, you do get a lot of ego. And you go out there knowing that the one thing that's different every time is that audience. I didn't wake up until... I was in emergency. I was around the uh, world of actors as a child. Crawfords were needing a casting assistant. No business plan, no concept, no training. It's not something you could do now. Went to school on Friday, got on the bus on Saturday, auditioned for the show. They said, you've got the role. I never went back to school again. (laughs) Thank you. I've enjoyed being here talking about my favourite subject. Ego in check, me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a date. (laughs) It's a date. Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and welcome to Stages, the conversation that converses with creatives about craft and career. It's great to have your company. Vonnie Britt Watkins is a showgirl who has been there and done it all, with enormous heart, chutzpah and humour. Vonnie's first stage experience was in 1975 when she worked in a cabaret-style burlesque club as a striptease artist in Adelaide. In 1978, she joined the Melbourne touring show of Les Girls, touring and performing throughout Australia and New Zealand, including Outback Australia. In 1983, she received an invitation from Carlotta to join the world-famous Sammy Lee's Les Girls in Kings Cross, Sydney, as their resident stripper. Performances around the world followed, building a stellar career in drag clubs, strip clubs and theatres. She's also run these clubs, embracing the business side of the business we call show. In July, Vonnie made her musical theatre debut in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, at the Star Gold Coast. She played the glamorous showgirl and matriarch Bernadette. The show had her back working alongside her longtime friend and ex-housemate, the legendary Carlotta, the inspiration for Bernadette. Vonnie's enthusiasm and passion for performance is palpable. She is astute, big-hearted, and she employs the most wicked and delightful sense of humour. Hers is a life lived fully and a career that is fascinating and fabulous. It just, I just got a little message saying recording is in process. All right, and for you to okay it. Yeah, so that should be fine. Yeah, that should be fine. Oh, thank God for that. Fabulous. (laughs) Now, what about our poor, gorgeous Matt Gilbertson, poor bugger? Well, I was going to talk about that in the conversation, uh, which we can start now. Um, Yeah, because, of course, that's where we met at a a wonderful dinner. At Matt's house. At Matt Gilbertson's house. Um, And poor, poor, poor Hans the German has fallen off the stage. Into the orchestra pit. Talk about uh, making an impression. What, did you see the video of him being taken away in ambulance and the whole yes, ship I cheering? Yes, I did. I saw it. And, you know, he was so kind to me while I was in on the Gold Coast doing Priscilla. He sent me the most beautiful big basket of flowers with a bottle of Moe because he couldn't get there because he had things on because he had right. tended to he, he was going to come to the opening night, but then he got lots of things happening. And so he just sent me a beautiful gift. It was gorgeous. The opening night of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, of course. Yes, it was um, at the Gold Coast Casino. In, in which uh, you played the, the role of Bernadette, a, a transgender woman, and, um, and, and being yourself a transgender woman, making history in, in um, the worlds colliding. And Well, I'm just very grateful to... Trevor Ashley, who took a risk on me, and and the production team, Matt Ward Productions too, they took a really big risk. Um, And I'm very, very grateful. And it was, I believe, a world first that a transgender person has played that role. Um, And I got really great support from Tony Sheldon, who's played that role for many, many years. Um, He actually came to the final 
preview. He came to the final preview before the day before opening night and, and he sent me a beautiful message and a, did a great card for me and with a picture of him on it holding the cake and saying one Bernadette passing the cake to another Bernadette. Oh, isn't that so magnificent? Isn't that quite, that's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then he sent me messages through Instagram and Facebook um, congratulating me and he said that I had made the role my own. That's beautiful. He's a very generous man, very generous performer. Of course, creating that role and being Tony nominated and Olivier Award nominated. Um, so to get his vote of confidence, uh, absolutely. Must have been wonderful. Yeah. And plus, he did it, he took it to Broadway and he took yeah. it to London. Yeah. So, oh, you know, unbelievable. But, and just to have him, I was so nervous with him being in the audience, but he was so kind. Um, and he afterwards was just very generous with his time as well. He came up on stage and had a photo with us. Was it a, a first for you? Had you been on the stage before playing a character in a, no. in a play or a musical? No, never. I've done um, I've done a couple of live things with some people here in Adelaide. We wrote a few shows um, ourselves. It was all live. And we took one of those shows across to Dublin for the um, Gay International Theatre Festival a few years ago. And that show was called... I can't remember what it was called. Oh, the girly side of Butch, and it was with me, me and my, me and Rochelle and Fifi, that were um, they own Actors Inc and Essential Talent here in Adelaide, and that was great. We were only supposed to do um, three shows, and I think we ended up doing five. It sold out, and we got two extra shows out of it. So how did, how did um, Priscilla happen? Did did you uh, you put your hand up and say I'd like to audition? No, or no. Did, they, did Trevor no, they... Trevor's foresight and. Trevor well, Ashley? Yes. So I do a bit of DJing and Trevor was working here in Adelaide at the um, Regal Theatre with Rhonda Birchmore doing their ABBA show. And I was DJing the beginning of it um, because with COVID rules, they didn't want people mingling in the foyer. They wanted people to come into the auditorium and sit in their seats and use the bar. So um, they got me to DJ for the first hour. And then after, Trevor said, can I see you after the show? And he just asked me. And that came about because I sang live at the Regal Theatre with Carlotta when she was here last September. The producers of her show wanted two 45-minute shows. And she said, no, nah, love, I only do an hour. But he wanted her to have two shows because he was making money off the bar. So... um. She rang me and said, do you want to do 20 minutes? And I did. And I sang live with Michael Griffith's band, who is her manager. Yeah. What's, what, what sort of uh, numbers do you perform? What's your favourite genre? Um, well, I do. I'm not confident at singing, and so I do parodies of songs. So actually one of my parodies is I Will Survive. Um, and then I did... Um, a parody of Nine to Five, Jolly Parton's Nine to Five. So I, it was more comedy. Um, and it's not about the voice either. It's about the performance and whether you have stage presence. And I do believe that I do. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I'm, I'm realistic and I know I'm never going to win Australian Idol, which is back on again soon. Um, but it suited what I was doing. And then that suited Bernadette. Because, you know, playing Bernadette and being in that character, she's not expected to be a fantastic singer. The rest of the cast were brilliant. Of course, we had Keen Fletcher, who had come straight out of Phantom of the Opera on Sydney Harbour, and he's also in the Ten Tenors. Um, he played Tick. And then we had Jared Moore, who just come back from Japan working at Universal Studios. Um, sing. So I was very lucky with the cast. And then we had Paulini as the main diva. So very, and gorgeous, gorgeous Stephen Tandy, who people might remember from the Sullivans. Um, Tom Sullivan. He played from, yes. Um, and he played Bob. So it was great, great cast. Yeah, I had a lot of fun doing it. Did you have a favourite moment in, in Priscilla? I think on top of the bus when we had to, on top of the bus was, there were screens in front of the bus, so you couldn't actually see the bus, but that was us climbing the rock. So we were climbing um, the canyon um, 
and in front of it was all LED screens, that so it looked like we were on top of a canyon, um, and and we sang "We Belong," and I thought that was quite good. So yeah. that was one of my favourite numbers, and it was also probably my favourite costume in the show too, because it's quite a nice costume and big feather headdress and yeah, nice flowing things on my arms. It was great. So have you been bitten by the bug? Will you be looking for for more shows to to have a go at? Well, I wouldn't mind. I mean, ideally, wouldn't it be fantastic to go travel around the world play, playing Bernadette in lots of productions of Priscilla? I mean, being Australian as well um, helps. I do, but I do believe back in two thousand and eighteen there was an amateur production of Bernadette where a transgender lady by the name of Honey West, I think, played it for a couple of weeks. And she was a professional singer. Um, and I, I saw snippets of it. It's on YouTube, I think. So, um, And then someone told me that she had done it. So I don't think I was the first, but definitely the first Australian. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy I'm going to wear that hat. That's not bad. Yeah, a, a Bernadette for hire. Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was also suggested that I go for, because I don't have an agent, so it was suggested that I get an agent and go for character roles. For instance, um, with Wicked coming up, possibly going for the role of Madame Morrible. Morrible. Yeah, Madame Morrible. Um, and sort of characters like that. Yeah. So that might be nice. So I'm thinking of getting an agent. Um, I might even go with Trevor's agent. So, yeah, we'll see. This might be a whole new chapter in your career. Well... You know, we get all I've done most of my life is um, work in strip clubs and work in lay girls and work hosting shows, but just always miming to songs. So it'd be great to um, start doing live stuff. I mean, Carlotta did the same thing. She always mimed in shows. And now she's got a one woman show and she sings live um, with a band. And she's got a great manager now. Um, Michael Griffiths is her manager and it's his band that she sings with. Um, and she went into retirement last year, but now because of me, she said, oh, I want to do a two-woman show with Yvonne, so we're going to start writing that soon. And she was one of your, your fellow castmates in Priscilla too, wasn't she? She oh, she, she played a, <laughs> a great role. She, For those of you that um, know Priscilla, um, there was a character in there called Cheryl who was the lady in the pub and was rough as arseholes. And when the drag queens and the character Bernadette, who was played by Terence Stamp in the movie, walked into the pub she, and they asked for a drink, she said, no, you can't. You can't have nothing. There's nothing in here for people like you. Carlotta played that role. Wow. And she looked the part. She was in overalls and a dirty white T-shirt with a bra hanging out of her pocket. And she had a mullet haircut on and no makeup. And she was absolutely perfect. So much that people in the audience were talking during the interval and we heard them saying, I thought Carlotta was in the show. We never saw Carlotta. <laughs> and she was there. And, and she sang, um, she sang, the song that she had to sing was fantastic. She did it really, really well. And then we had a scene together in the, in the bar, which was that scene. Um, but then in the opening of the second show, she came back as herself, all glamoured up, and the screen went up and she was behind the screen dressed absolutely beautifully. Um, but then on the, uh, the screen that went up above her then showed all footage of her from the 60s and 70s while she came out as herself. And for those of you that um, know Priscilla, you would understand that Bernadette was based on Carlotta. So, and we're great mates. We lived together in the 80s. I was in um, Sydney Lay Girls with her. Um, she gave me a call just out of the blue. I was, I just finished a tour with the Melbourne Lay Girls and we toured all around Australia and New Zealand. And we'd ended up in Melbourne and I had no work. So I, I started working in the R-rated cinemas where they showed blue movies. 
And in between each movie, they had a stripper, and I was one of the strippers. In fact, just about all of the cast of the Melbourne touring show of Lay Girls in that time, we all ended up with no work and we all ended up in those cinemas. And then one day I just got home from work and there was a message on my answering machine saying, hello, um, I'm looking for Vonnie. If she could please ring this number, I have some work for her. But I didn't know what sort of work. And when I rang, it was Carlotta and she offered me a job in the King's Cross show um, as the resident stripper because their stripper had just left. And that's how I got in there. And not long after that, we moved in together when we became great mates. Um, the Melbourne Lay Girls, you must have worked with Stan Munro also. No, Stan had already left then. Had he? So I, I joined them in 1978 when they were, because I'm from Adelaide, and they were here in Adelaide working at the Castle Hotel, which is now Castle Plaza in Edwardstown, and they were in there. And I was working in a strip club here called La Belle, which was the first strip club in Adelaide. I'd been working there since the early 70s as a stripper. Um, and one of, their, one of their showgirls left, Renee Scott left. And Deborah Legay, who was my dear friend, we'd become friends while they were here. She said, why don't you come and audition for the show? And I did, and I got it. So, but I was a terrible, I was not a good dancer. And they flew the choreographer. Um, if you've seen Carlotta's movie, the choreographer is called Sheila Cruz. And she, they flew Sheila over to choreograph me into the show. And there were these dance steps called Shoe the Ducks and Dry Your Nails. Well, when I did that, <laughs> when I did that step, she said, you're supposed to shoe the ducks, not, not frighten the fuck out of them. <laughs> <laughs> shoe the ducks. <laughs> shoe the ducks and dry your nails. <laughs> was the step dance step um and that was the, um in Carlotta's movie Sheila Cruz was played by the fabulous Caroline O'Connor yeah um but you know I don't know why Sheila Cruz Caroline O'Connor did a fantastic job but she was in that black bob wig whereas the real Sheila Cruz was blonde and always had her hair done up in a beautiful bun she had long blonde hair it was bleach bleach blonde um, and she always, she had a dog, a little poodle called Jackie that went everywhere with her, that the Castleblade girls actually bought her as a gift um, not long after her husband passed away. And Sheila Cruz was an old Tivoli girl. She actually worked with, if you remember, PP, BP Pickerbox with Bob Dyer, his wife, Dolly Dyer. Um, well, Sheila Cruz and Dolly Dyer worked at the Tivoli together back in the day. Don't you love all those six degrees of separation? Yeah. yeah. So it's just a little bit of trivia for everybody who's listening. I love trivia. Um, Vonnie, tell me about the art of striptease. Did did you reveal everything or was there, yeah. it, it is called striptease? Yes, you reveal everything. And I started off working as um, a barmaid at this place called La Belle, a strip club, um, in the early 70s. And... One day, quite a few of the strippers were off. And so the boss said, would I go on stage and perform? But I hadn't had surgery then, so I had boobs, but I didn't have the bottom surgery. Um, so we had to sort of strap that away using leucoplast tape, which we call dicky tape. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so you used to strap your appendage away. Right. But... Um, I had quite a large appendage, and so I could never turn my back on the audience because the dicky tape went halfway at my back. <laughs> <laughs> it was great until summer, and then, the you know, if she was perspired, sometimes the tape gave way and the poor audience down the front thought I was giving birth to an elephant trunk first. <laughs> the theatre is an illusion after all, isn't it? Well, after all. <laughs> um, and I... I um, did that for quite a long time until they girls came along and it was like I ran away and joined a circus, really. I ran away and joined lay girls and it got me out of Adelaide where all my family was because my family were not really quite acceptive of me um, and the path that I'd taken with my life. So um, to get away from Adelaide for, I was away for 22 years, um, it was good. It got me out of 
all the family harassment that I was getting. You um you've got a great relationship with your mum, don't you? Now I saw you had a, a posting on Facebook the other day. You'd visit her, or, or you weren't able to visit her with COVID. Yes, so um, I did have a good relationship with my mum and dad, and they were quite acceptive. I think they accepted. Well, they really had to. But um, that didn't extend to the rest of my family at first. They did become acceptive eventually because I was going to all the family um, different, um, my, my nephew's marriage or my brother's wedding or the, you know, different things. Um, family occasions, I was going to them. And so, but, you know, I was still the black sheep of the family. I was still the one that everyone talked about. I was still the one that used to say, oh, remember Bonnie, but she used to be so-and-so. And so I was always the centre of attention wherever I went. And you just would see if it was a big occasion where there was a lot of people, you'd see them all staring. And it was very uncomfortable. So it was just best to get out to go. It's ign and ignorance, I ignorance, isn't it? It's a, oh, a pro I think process of education. They need to... Um... I think people are afraid of what they don't understand. Mm. And sometimes instead of trying to get to know what what's really going on, they just make their own judgment. And then sometimes that judgment can be wrong. So, um, you know, and then I had my surgery in 1982 or three, 1983, I think. Um, but leave, leaving Adelaide and going with the Melbourne Touring Shovel, it changed my life. It just I was able to be more comfortable. I didn't have to worry about the family. I was touring Australia. I was making great money. Um, and, you know, it's never held me back. I Since I left school at 15 years old, when I left school, I've never been un unemployed ever in my life, except for the six years when I my mother moved into this house with me and I took care of her for six years. Um, and then I just did a little bit of work here and there where I could get cabaret shows and um, hosting shows, but no full-time work. Um, but before that happened, before she, my mum moved in, I was the manager of Crazy Horse Nightclub in Adelaide, which is a strip club. I was there for 17 years as the manager, and I absolutely loved that job. But, you know, I gave it up to look after mum, and I was past retirement age already because, you know, I'm 72 now. Um, and I was already past retirement age when I left Crazy Horse. But now that mum's gone into assisted, assisted care living, and let me tell you, she absolutely loves it. Got to make an appointment to see her. Oh, no, don't come today. I've got bingo today. Oh, no, no, tomorrow's wine tasting. No, we've got Skittles. Movie day tomorrow. No, come tomorrow. It's just like that. You've got to make an appointment to see her. She's got all brand new friends. It is an amazing facility. The staff are great. The food's great. She's got a beautiful room. Um, so thank goodness she's happy. She really is happy there. And now that gave me a chance to get my life back, really. And Priscilla came along. It so, must be a, a great comfort to you to know that your mum mum is in that, that, uh, that care facility and it's so wonderful because we hear a lot of bad press about um, homes for the elderly, but um, yeah, I still speak to us. I speak to her not every day, but you know, three or four times a week. And while I was on the Gold Coast doing Priscilla, um, not only did I speak to her, but the staff rang me too. They knew I was away, and they kept kept me updated on a doctor's appointment or new medicine she was on. Or they were great. They really kept me informed. Um, it, and during COVID and some of the parts of that facility were in lockdown, not all, but some, um, they were really great at monitoring visitors um, and you have to have a rat's test before you go in and you have to make sure that you haven't got it, you've got to wear a mask, you can't get into, you're being supervised. It's really, really good. Mm. Um, and, you know, and, and the, the people that live there, my mum's free to go whenever she wants, like she but she, her mobility, she can't go out by herself. But I go and take her and I take her shopping and I take her to the park and I take her to the beach and I still take her to the theatre. Um, we've been to see a few things at the Regal Theatre um, recently. Um, so it's still the same as I'm looking after her a little bit, but she's getting better care than what I can provide, so that's fine. So, Vaughn, were you born in Adelaide? 
um, or Manchester? I, I'm a £10 palm. You are, I, right. Okay. When did you come out? I came out here in 1961. Um, and, yeah, on... on we flew over, um, and yeah, I was eleven at the time. So um, it was good. Um, loved Australia from the minute I got. I mean, I missed all my friends back in England, but I'm. Um, I soon met new friends. Um, I never looked back. I absolutely love, love, love Australia. It's the best. Adelaide's such a lovely city, also. Well, Adelaide. Adelaide's a nice place for an older person, yeah. but when I was younger, you know, I, apart from the family things, I couldn't really wait to get away. Adelaide wasn't so nice back then, but now it is, and there's lots of festivals that happen here. I mean, we've got the um, the Fringe Festival, which is absolutely amazing, that happens every year. We've got the Cabaret Festival. So there's lots of festivals, and there's lots of beautiful buildings now all being built along the river, and it is a really, really pretty city, and it's still quite affordable. It's um quite quite a vibrant queer scene there, also, isn't it? There's not much. Not much. Oh, right. No, there's not much of a gay scene here. Um, I worked last night, um, hosting a competition, which is my own competition called Battle of the Ballots, and so I've got quite a big gay following. So I was four. But then there's a pub as well, and they had a competition on last night too, and apparently they were four. And then there's a nightclub called Mary's Poppin', which is a fantastic nightclub. Um, and that was that's always full. And that's all. That's all there is here in Adelaide. So a few gay businesses, um, but not really a big gay scene. So there's a pub, a nightclub, and then wherever I go and do shows. And I used to do shows at the pub, but... Um, We've had a bit of a fallout over money, <laughs> right? And you know, I was I was selling my own tickets through a ticket selling thing. She was getting the bar and the food, and then I was paying everybody. And she was full, so she was getting lots of people drinking, lots of people eating. But then after my second one, she now wants twenty percent of my ticket sales. So I told her to shove it. So I've taken it elsewhere. And um, that's where I was last night. And so she she had a, she decided to put a competition on the same time as me, but you know we were packed, so we were at capacity. So I'm I'm a happy chappy. <laughs> now, Vaughn, what sort of uh, kid were you? How did you entertain yourself? Did did you go after the flicks? Um, did you have cast oh, recordings? I, I, I had I didn't have a good childhood. Um, right. I was I was bashed a lot at school, which is why I left so early. Um, I sort of looked like a girl and at the time sounded like a girl, I suppose. Um, I had long blonde hair and um, it wasn't pleasant, um, so much so that I used to play up in school, deliberately play up in school so that I got detention after, after school so I didn't have to go on the school bus with everybody and then I would walk home. Um, so as soon as I was able, which was 15, I left school and I just wasn't good at school either. I um, I think that if I'd continued doing that year, I probably would have failed. But then, you know, in saying that, not being very well educated hasn't affected my um, work. I've just been constantly in work. Well, and also not only as a performer, but, you know, managing uh, the business side. I'm managing, yeah. Also. So, yeah. Um, and before I managed Crazy Horse, I was a duty manager at a gay pub here at the Edinburgh Castle Hotel in Curry Street. Um, I was a duty manager there for a few years. Um, I just went and applied for a job when I arrived in Adelaide in 1996. I arrived back here and I just went into that pub and asked for a job. And they gave me a job as a glassy first, just Fridays and Saturdays, collecting the glasses and ashtrays. Then they said, do you know how to pull a beer? And I said, yes. And I said, I will give you a shift next week. So I quickly went to my, because I'd never pulled a beer before. And so I quickly went to my friend's venue and said, show me how to pull a beer. And then I went and I pulled a beer very nicely, and I got the job. And within a couple of months, they said, would you like to be a duty manager? I said, yeah, all right. 
So I was there for a few years and then Crazy Horse came a calling. My friend um, was the owner of Crazy, one of the owners, um, and he asked me to come and be his manager. So, yeah. But I stayed at that pub doing shows on a Sunday and I was there for years and years. Do you remember the first drag show that you saw? Yeah, Lay Girls. It was um, Girl. in yeah, Melbourne. The Melbourne Touring Show of Lay Girls in Adelaide. Right. And I just thought it was unbelievable. I just thought it was so beautiful. And the costumes were not all that good then, but I just thought the girls were beautiful and they just looked like models. But then another show that I saw not long after that was um, Lay Coquettes. And Lay Coquettes absolutely blew my mind. Um, it was produced and the host was George Sorrell, who in drag was called Nicole. And their costumes and staging, I've never seen anything like it, um, backdrops and flashing lights and things that come up from the floor and things that come out of the ceiling. And the costumes were absolutely massive. And they walked on with Afghan hounds on stage, beautifully groomed Afghan hounds. Um, it was an amazing, amazing show. They were all professional dancers. Um, and they most of them were just gay boys. There was a couple of transgender girls in there that went topless but with little pasties on their boobs so that you couldn't see the nipples. But diamond, solid diamante and beautiful feathers and massive, massive, massive costumes, bigger than I've ever seen before and seen since. And... Um, yeah, was, that that, a ven was that a venue based in Melbourne? No, it toured all around Australia. Um, Just toured, right? Toured, yeah. Um, I think it had a residence in Perth at La Tenda Restaurant. Um, I did see it there. But I saw it here in Adelaide at the oh, Bridgeway Hotel. or I, I can't remember where I saw it. And they were also at the Castle Hotel where Lay Girls were. They had a residence there. And I met them while they were here too, and I was still working in the, in the strip clubs. Um, yeah, but that was the best show I've ever seen for dancing and, for, and costumes. You've talked about uh, Carlotta, but who were some of the other drag characters that were around at the time that perhaps um, took you under their wing and, and mentored you? Or oh, no one really, no one, no one really took me under their wing, yeah. but my absolute favourite transgender person who got me to go and audition for Melbourne Lay Girls is um, Deborah Legay. Now, Deborah is still my closest, dearest, beautiful friend. And she helped me with costumes. She gave me hand-me-down costumes. She showed me how to do my makeup properly for a proper showgirl stage. She showed me how to sew combs into the front of the wig so you could pull all your own hair through it to make it look natural. Um, and she is a very good business person. And she used to tell me off about, Vonnie, you're making all this money. Why aren't you saving? And you've got to buy a house and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And she, she's very, very, very successful. Um, owns her own multi-million dollar home in Melbourne, actually. Um, and Peter, if you're um, a Melbourne boy, you might remember the pokey shows. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. With yeah, uh, well, Deborah, Doug did, Lucas. With Doug Lucas. Well, Deborah Legay was in those shows with Renee Scott and Michelle Tozer and Terry Tinsel. Yep. Um, so, I mean, those shows were magnificent. Well, Deborah was always on my case about saving money, buying a house, getting ahead in life, and I've always stuck by what she said. And, and she even told me I had a broken nose from working at La Belle where I was kicked in the face once. Um, and so my, and my nose was quite big and broken. And when I got the job in Melbourne Lay Girls, after a couple of months, Deborah said to me, oh, Vonnie, I think you're going to get the sack because the owners think you're ugly. You've got to get your nose done. And I went, really? She said, I just heard them talking. I, I just thought I'd let you know. So I went and got my nose done. And after it was done, she said, I've got something to tell you. I said, what? She said, the boss has never said that but I wanted you to get your nose done. <laughs> um, and it oh, really did. It changed, it changed my appearance. She was helping me. Yeah. She was really helping me. Yeah. And I've always, I've always um, thanked her for that. She is still my closest, dearest friend, um, girlfriend. And I will 
never, never. And we, we just, we chatted yesterday for a couple of hours. We talk on the phone for ages. And if ever I get work in Melbourne, I always stay an extra day to catch up with her. Yeah. Um, and she, she came to the opening night of Priscilla and she cried. So she's very proud of me. I'm, she'll always be a diva to me. Um, she just looks, drop, she's just drop dead gorgeous. She still looks, she's um, a year and a bit older than me, but she still looks beautiful and still looks like a model. And she barely has aged. So yeah, we're great friends. So she's, she's the person I hold most important in my life. And I still hold her up on that pedestal. Well, for giving you such wonderful advice. I mean, it is called show business, isn't it? Yes, and she could have been quite evil, but she wasn't. She did um, sort of take me under her wing and she's been a massive supporter of me all the time and she's given me talking ups and she's certainly given me talking downs as well when she's pulled me in line and said, Bonnie, what's going on here? No, stop, stop that. And she's pulled me into line again and I really take notice of that. Yeah. Now I got to uh, Legals once in the in the late eighties. Uh, blew my mind. An amazing, tiny venue, but but what you were able to accomplish was amazing. Um, in Sydney, the, in Sydney, in Sydney, yes, yeah. in, the, in the Cross. So, to the listener who may not know, tell tell us what Lay Girls was. Um, Lay Girls was a show um, that started off with a. Um, a guy called Sammy Lee, who was a, an American, and he started off this tiny little club um, where they had female impersonators, but they were mostly transgender girls and on hormones. And then he opened a bigger club, which was a dinner show, um, and it was on the corner of Roslyn Street and Darlinghurst Road in Sydney, right in the middle of King's Cross. Um, and that building was owned by Abe Saffron, um, who owned buildings all over Sydney. Um, and Lay Girls went in there and Carlotta was one of the first people to work there and she became the star of the show and hosted it. And people used to come there for dinner and dressed up all in their suits and they used to come there basically for the, I guess for the, they wanted just to come and look what it was. It was almost like we were clowns working in a circus. They wanted to come and see were they freaks? Were they, what are they? Are they men? Are they women? Oh, my God, look, they look like women, but they're men. And, I mean, it's a very clever idea. Mm. Um, and they always had a stripper. And the thing about that was it was illegal for females to strip naked back in the day, in the 60s and 70s. They couldn't take their G-strings off. And in some cases, they couldn't take their bras off. But we were we were legally still male, so to have someone like me strip naked and you see boobs and the illusion of a vagina, but I mean not that you saw them, you know, yeah. it was yeah. beautifully done. Um, was there any uh, drama ever, ever up there from um, lads who got out of hand or customers? Not in lay girls. Not in lay girls. But um, after a while, I got. Um, bored with lay girls and so um and it wasn't very much money to be honest so um i went into the strip clubs and abe saffron who was a friend of mine he owned a lot of the strip clubs in in sydney all along darlinghurst road um and so i went and worked in those strip clubs and he owned the he didn't own the strip club he owned the buildings and then different people ran them so um i went in there and i worked for a chap that owned four of them and so we'd go from club to club just doing shows each night and I'd start off in one club which was Porky's for instance um and then I'd stay in that costume and go to the next club and do the same show then I'd run to the next club and do the same show and then once I ended up back at Porky's I'd change my costume and do a different show and I did that all night long but in 1988 when the Nick Griner government got in he did this massive clean up the cross campaign and he wanted all the prostitutes off the street. So they went into the strip clubs. And so that started giving it a bad reputation because they thought that if you worked in a strip club, you must be a prostitute, which really wasn't the case. The working girls are nothing wrong with doing that. You've got to do what you can do to earn a living. And, and they earned a very good living. 
so the prostitutes were the prostitutes and they would mingle with the customers and possibly take them upstairs for an hour or so. But the strippers just went from club to club doing their shows. But with Nick Griner doing this clean up the cross, he decided to do a lot more than just get the prostitutes off the street. And he started arresting everybody. So one night the paddy wagons just all lined up and they all came. I was in a nightclub called Love Machine and the police just came up and arrested me. And they arrested me, a barman, a doorman, the projection operator, um, a waitress from each single club. And we were charged with aiding and abetting because we didn't know, unbeknownst to us, the clubs didn't have liquor licenses or licenses for entertainment and they were selling alcohol and having entertainment. So um, they just came and raided the clubs every night for a week. So I got arrested the first night. But then <laughs> on the second night, I was up in Love Machine and that was on the, the dressing room was on the first floor and you could look down onto Darling Coast Road and I saw the paddy wagons arrive. So I thought, fuck, what am I going to do? So I was in my costume. So I climbed out the window onto the rostrum and I ran up the rostrum up Darlinghurst Road and I just climbed in the nearest window, <laughs> which happened to be the illegal gambling place where all the Greeks used to do all their illegal gambling. And this girl was there waitressing off her nut. She was not poor love and topless waitressing for the illegal gamblers. And I climbed in the first story window and she said to me, are you the other waitress? I said, I said, yes, love. I've just climbed in the window on the first floor. I'm the other waitress. She said, oh, well, grab a tray. So, so I waitress for the night and I made more money being tipped by the gamblers. I didn't get arrested for the second time. And, and I, got a, um, I lived to tell the story. It was great. Oh, that's a beautiful story. Yeah, so that's back in 1988. And then when we went to court, um, we all got off because it was proved that we didn't know. We, we really didn't know that they didn't have a liquor licence and an entertainment licence. Um, so the strippers all got off. Um, the only people that got charged were the operators, like the, the bosses. Yes. When one door closes, a window opens. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So what were some of the numbers that you used to perform at, at Laygirls? Um, oh, one of my favourite numbers was Can't Take My Eyes Off You. Um, I did that in a big swirly dress. Um, I also did a space show and there was a big space production show where they had rockets, silver rockets. They were just cardboard cutouts, but they were... Carlotta painted all the backdrops to look like space and the moon and planet Earth. Then there was these rockets and all the cast came out as like glamorous, glamorous Martians. Um, and then the comedian came out as a robot and did a robot strip. And then after I would do my strip to the carpenters calling occupants of interplanetary space. <laughs> But what would happen with lay girls? They'd have a show at nine o'clock for dinner. Then would then they would have another show at eleven o'clock, a different show for the tour bus, Sydney After Dark tour bus, and the people that had dinner could stay for that show. It was included in their ticket price. And then on a Friday and Saturday night, we would have a third show at one o'clock. But each new year, new year, we did a brand new show. So the brand new show would be the first show. The old first show would get moved to the second show. And then the second show would get moved to the third show. And then the third show was dropped. So when the space show that was originally in the first show became the third show, we were all so drunk by one o'clock in the morning, we could barely walk, let alone perform. Um, I came out one night and I knocked all the rockets over. <laughs> um, and the robot didn't come out. And I was thinking, where's the robot? And the robot, we're waiting, the music's nearly finished and no robots come out yet. She was asleep between, she was, she was asleep 
behind the moon, <laughs> behind the moon. So I had to go and shake her and wake her up so she could do her comedy strip out of the robot thing. So there were some funny, funny things. Was there a resident um, costume designer and maker at, at the, the club? There was, there was quite a few. Carlotta made a lot of them. Carlotta mm. wouldn't, if she didn't make them, she certainly helped design them. But um, we had amazing people. Um, there was a guy called Christopher Essex that made costumes. There was also Electra, and Electra was in Lay Girls originally, but then she was she became a massive costume designer. So we um, we got stuff from her, and then we had oh, I can't think of his name Fitzgerald. I can't think of his name, but. We, we had all different designers all over um, Sydney making the costumes for them. And then when the owners of Lay Girls, not Abe, who owned the building, but the people that ran the business, when they were crying poor, they, instead of getting all these designers to do it, they'd get Carlotta to do it. And we'd all have to have work bees and help her wire the feathers. And that's why I left in the end, because the I think they just, the owners got a bit greedy and, they stopped being new costume. They stopped being new productions on New Year's Eve. It was always when the new show opened, and that stopped. And the costumes were just almost threadbare in the end. I just thought, don't want to be in this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I went into the strip clubs. And well, actually, I went to Perth first and worked in Perth um, in some Good. of Ape, instead of uh, working in um, Ape Saffron's pubs, running strippers. But then he went to jail for tax evasion, so I came back to Sydney and went in the strip clubs here. The Abe Saffron owned pubs right. all, it, all over the place. The, the fabulous Raffles Club that's in Perth um, and the Warwick Hotel, and he owned quite a few. And I, they used to have um, strippers at lunchtime, um, and I would run those strippers for him. I didn't realise that he had um, hands all over Australia. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. brilliant man. Very kind, very kind to me. I know there's lots of bad things that have been said about him. You know, I, who knows? Um, especially when it came to strip clubs. I'm always of a believer that you can't, um, if I owned a house and somebody who rented that house caused trouble, I shouldn't be blamed for that. Yeah, no. So he was very, very kind to me. Carlotta loves, loved him dearly. Um, when he did go to jail, um, I used to I used to pick up his wife a couple of times and take her to visit him. Um, I visited him a few times, and we ended up doing a show in there. Lay Girls did a show in jail in Long Bay because they used to have different shows, and they had comedians and they had singers and dancers. And while Abe was there, he said, "Oh, I wonder if Lay would they be interested in having Lay Girls there." So um, actually it was someone that worked there who was in charge of the entertainment that asked Abe if he could get lay girls. So we had a meeting with Carlotta and we were in there and the next day front page of the Sydney Morning Herald was lay girls in Long Bay. (laughs) (laughs) And Carlotta had to go on the Ray Martin show to explain it all. And her opening line, because, you know, they're all sitting in their orange uniforms and just rose and like theatre seating because it was a theatre in there and um, like theatre seating and her opening line was it's nice to walk, work to a captive audience oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, this must have been the show that uh mon kelly was in too because i i talked to monique and she told me about a, a performance in jail yes well, yeah monique so and monique monique and i used to live together too right. for a little while um, so she did this show as comedy. Um, these are a few of my favourite things, where she dressed as an old um, bowler, a lady bowler, and she dressed and she had a shopping trolley and she had she performed to Julie Andrews, these are a few of my favourite things, and she'd pull them all out. But one of the lines is, there's raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, and then snowflakes that stay on my night. Well, for the snowflakes, she used dried rice and it went all over the floor. I came out after her to do my strip show and bloody slipped on the bang. I went down on my ass 
um, and slipped on the bloody dried rice that she just thrown everywhere. Yeah, Monique, she's a, she's great. We're still good friends too. Oh yeah, she's she's another legend. Of, yeah, a, a great. She's talent. hilarious. Yeah. Absolutely. She. I mean, the stories before my time at Lay Girls, when the manager was a different person, he went in there. I wasn't there then. Monique was with a gun. Did she tell you that story? No. They'd been misbehaving, and the right. guy went in there with a gun and told them all that they'd better start behaving. You should get, you should ring Monique back and get her to tell you that story. Right. I wasn't there, so I don't know properly, but right. it's a, a rich tapestry, isn't it, of experiences oh, no. well, that you've had? We've had, um, I've got to say that I have, I've had a, the best life. I wouldn't change it for anything. It's been very exciting. And, you know, I know that I've worked for gangster, gangsters and criminals, and, um, but it was work. Um, it was a job. We were treated with respect. Um, and King's Cross was the police. The police were the worst. The police were very corrupt back in the day. Um, I remember the Jimmy Barnes and Cole Chisel have got a song called Breakfast at Sweethearts. And Sweethearts was a real place in King's Cross. It was a cafe, restaurant. And all the strippers used to go there after work. And we were sitting there one morning at five o'clock in the morning. And we're sitting there just eating our eggs eggs and bacon. And sitting at the next table with some very, very, very naughty boys that we all knew. Very naughty boys. And then another lot of naughty boys came in the door and saw those naughty boys and there was a fire shot from a gun. We all just shit ourselves and got under the table. We knew who they were and we knew who the boys were that had just come in. But when the police came and asked us, we said we didn't know who they were, that we didn't see, we just got under the table. Because if we had told the police who they were, with the police being so corrupt, we wouldn't have been safe because the police would have gone and told them it's those like those those girls came and told us who you were so we didn't dare speak anything like that we just couldn't you had to have your wits about you well you had to have your wits about yeah. you and and you know we were working in the strip clubs i remember the police coming in for their envelope because you know there was prostitution going on in there there was um drugs in there um you had to keep your nose clean i i certainly did i didn't get into the drugs or anything like that but it was there, and the police used to come in. You'd see them getting their envelope weekly. How much was in those envelopes? I've got no idea, but there were certainly bribes going on for the clubs to stay open, except when bloody Nick Griner came and tried to shut them all down in 1988. <laughs> Gee, an- another time, which which we've seen documented in shows like Underbelly and um, and all of that. But um, yes, yeah. Well, he had his own. He had his own. Um, John Abraham had his own underbelly, didn't he? Mm, and I remember, right. him, I remember him just as a young kid, straight out of school, working on the door. You know, he he was always very lovely. Um, and when he started buying clubs, um, and one of his clubs was in a back alley behind Porky's nightclub where I worked, and instead of walking all the way around the street, he'd cut through because the back door of that strip club was in the alleyway where the entrance to his club was. So quite often you'd be on stage in the middle of your show and he'd just walk through because we used to get off stage and tantalise the audience. It's a strip club after all. Um, And he always was, hello, princess, how are you, darling? Hi, princess. He was always called me, I suppose he called everybody princess, but he was always very polite. Um, We were always welcome to go to his club and have a drink after and you always got your first drink free and, very, very polite young man. So, Von, all those years of late nights uh, performing, working, what's the impact on your body clock? Are you able to go to bed early now or are you up late? Yeah, now? well, I've been out of the scene. I've been out of the nightclub scene for a long time now um, and I still do cabaret things and that might, you know, at night time. Um, but I'm always glad to get home. I'd never go out after work anymore. I'm always glad to get home. And, you know, last night I got home by 11 o'clock um, after my competition finished. And um, I got home, made a cup of tea and a bacon and egg sandwich, and I sat here and let the dog out the front for a wee, and, you know, it's great to sit and bed. And then I had a lion today. Um, didn't get out of bed till 9 o'clock. 
How do you like it? How do you like to chill away from the spotlight? Do you have any hobbies? Um, I just now that I've got my dog, I'm just walking her. I've only had her for um, she was just a year old while I was on the Gold Coast. So taking her and I'm slowly getting my house ready to possibly sell because, um, you know, I've still got a mortgage and it would be nice to get rid of that mortgage, sell the house and buy something smaller outright and get rid of the mortgage. So I'm slowly doing the house up um, room by room. Um, I'm dreading going into my costume room. That's going to take forever. But, um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing at the moment. And, I, you know, Peter, I like my own company. Yeah. I don't need to be out and about and mixing with people and um, I keep to myself a lot. I don't have many friends that come to my house because, you know, I'm a private person and there's not many people in Adelaide that actually know where I live. So, yeah, I keep very private. And you keep very busy too. I see you've got some gigs coming up, um, dragged out in Beechworth. Looking forward to that. That's... Um, in the highlands of Victoria in Beechworth. Um, beautiful honey comes from Beechworth. You can buy it at Coles. Um, and there's the, apparently they've got the best, best bakery there. And it's not far from Albury-Wodonga, I guess is the main town that people would have heard of, Albury-Wodonga. Yeah. Not far from there. Um, and we're just there for um, four days um, in November. Really looking forward to it. We've got lots of things happening. We, we've sold out a lot of the shows. We're doing um, Drag and Dine there and we've had to put extra shows on and we've had to pull out matinees because the shows that we advertise sold out straight away. So we're doing extra bits and pieces now and we start choreography for that um, in a couple of weeks for all the brand new shows that we'd be doing. And that's with... Um, People might know them from RuPaul's Drag Race down under. So um, Art Simone is going to be there. Um, Jojo Soho, also from RuPaul. And then the fabulous Filmer Box, who's organised it all, um, will also be there. And some of the old Sydney queens too. So Cindy Pastel, who was the inspiration for Tick and Priscilla. Um, um, Vanessa Wagner is going to be there too. Um, who used to host all the Mardi Gras, fabulous, fabulous entertainer, and um, Portia Turbo. And then there's some Melbourne Queens, um, Passion is going to be there, and um, Jemima Handful that work all the piano bars. Um, they'll be there. So it's a cast of thousands. It's going to be just a great weekend. And I think we're doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's November 18th to, uh, to 20th. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you've got the day. <laughs> Bonnie, thank you so much. This uh, your, this candid and um, insightful conversation has, has been wonderful. I, I can't thank you enough for your, your generosity of time and, and spirit. Oh, it's a pleasure, Peter. And thank you for being interested to hear my story. I've had, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Um, and Hopefully I'll see you again. And I know you did come to see Priscilla, but um, or you were coming to see it, but it was the first preview and it got cancelled. Yeah, yeah. You need yeah, to make sure was... the show's right. Yes, well, that's right. It was, and it wasn't us, it was tech. It was the tech people that weren't ready. So yeah. hopefully it'll go on again and hopefully Priscilla might tour. Um, and I'd love to do Bernadette somewhere else. So if yeah. anyone's listening and want to do a production of Bernadette. Hello. <laughs> All right. Bernadette for hire. Um, yeah. Glittered kisses to you, Vonnie. Oh, thank you, darling. Sending lots and lots of glittered kisses from myself and my beautiful Deborah. She's been here listening to the conversation. So um, thank you so much and thank you for your time too and um, doing this interview. Dragged Out is a queer, inclusive festival of the arts. It celebrates all people within the LGBTQI plus community and their allies. The festival's diversity will bring together people from all walks of life as a positive platform and safe space, enabling these cultures to explore themselves, educate audiences and spread the love within entertainment. The inaugural event will be held over the weekend of the 18th, 19th and 20th of November. 
November in the picturesque township of Beechworth in Victoria's high country. Supporting local artists, the festival has also invited some of Australia's headline drag performers and DJs to provide a professional and spectacular three days of drop-dead diva drag mixed with a fabulous pop of disco darlings. Sounds like fun and a fabulous weekend. And a festival where you can see my stage's guest today, the legendary Vonnie Britt Watkins. Thanks for your generosity of story, Vonnie, and glittered kisses to you, my darling. And thank you, dear audience, for tuning in to this episode. Keep well, keep warm, stay safe, and I'll catch you next time on Stages.